0: serious. You know, something about James. James is one of those people that, uh, you know, if they come up to you and they say, hey, could could I just talk to you honestly? All right. I don't know if you should say yes or run, you know, because James is is going to speak the truth here. Speak it. Honestly, maybe bluntly, but he is going to speak that truth and and we come to the conclusion of this series and and he's talking about prayer now there's no way that that he's going to talk about everything in this about prayer because there's just way too much to just in these eight verses, but he wants to talk to you, church, to you at home to you in these pews, to the body of Christ, to you that is listening on the other side of this planet, those in Israel, those in El Salvador, those in Russia or China, you listen to this word as it goes forth that he's talking to us as the body of Christ. Because prayer is essential. Now, that word essential has become very popular these days as essential workers. You know, we, we, whoever thought that toilet paper would be essential, you know, is, it was, it was crazy. But it is, prayer is essential because we have to have that prayer in our life. To be able to live and move and have our being in Christ. And we need to have it because we need to call upon Him to come into our lives. So, just in these four, well, eight verses, He gives us four spiritual truths to help us grow in our spiritual walk in Christ. So, the very first one is prayer for the suffering. <laughs> Well, let's just skip that one because that's, that's, that's not all that that comfortable, but, but prayer for the suffering. So as I'm going to get into this, I have been praying throughout the whole day. I've, I spent at least, I know, at least four plus hours waiting before the Lord as I've been praying over this message, praying over you, praying over people, praying over needs. And, and there's times that I'm praying over you, I don't even know what to pray for. I want, so I pray in the spirit because he knows what, they be, what those needs are. So, um, <laughs> so if, if I start praying here and, and I get going because I have already primed the pump for a while today, I uh, uh, just hang in there, okay, with me. So Heavenly Father, it is oh, with such joy and comfort and peace. And Sometimes anxiety too, Lord, because there's times, you know, you have something to say to us and uh, you speak the truth. You speak it to us in love, but, but we know that sometimes that hurts though too because it's truth and we have been out of that truth. So bring our minds into captivity here. Let us sense of what you're saying, not only to the body of Christ, but to us. And let there come that, that Holy Spirit passion, that unction of the Spirit, let it rise up in us and saying, this is for me. You're speaking to me to be able to be obedient in this word. And we will give you all the glory for the amazing, wonderful things you do in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, prayer should be looked at as sometimes our response to life (laughs) because life can be challenging and and we need to have that that response to it. And and James, he he starts us off in in verse 13 of James 5, and and he gives us two extremes. I go, which one, James, which one? He says in James 5, 13, If anyone among you is suffering, then he must pray. If anyone cheerful, he must sing praise. Well, that, that's pretty obvious, but do we actually do that? When that anxiety is there, do we, do we complain about it? Or do we moan about it? Or do we get angry with God about it? Or do we come to Him in prayer? In 1 Peter, verse um, 5, chapter 5, verses 6 and 7 says, therefore, Humble yourselves under the almighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. I wish it's that he that come before him, humble myself, and he would exalt me immediately. At the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I'm not going to talk to you about some formula. In in, in in you praying this prayer. Sometimes we we use the name of Jesus like abracadabra. And and we really don't mean it. We're not taking that authority that name. We are just babbling on some ritual word that we have heard that there's healing in the name of Jesus. So we just babble it. And in, in, in that there is there is that responsibility that when I come before Him, I need to come before Him seriously and understanding. It's not just about results, because you know suffering is promised. <laughs> I know you don't want to hear that, but I want you to understand is that often that is where we grow in our walk in Christ in the midst of the suffering, because we are calling upon the Lord in the midst of that. But, but more so, it is in that midst of that suffering that peace is in the middle of that storm in our lives. In in times I want to pray and have that instant change, but instead of having that instant relief of that suffering, there is that instant sense of his arms being wrapped around me. And I want you to know, church, there's nothing, nothing like that. I have talked with people who were, were literally on their deathbed, and they were telling me, Pastor, there's nothing like this—that that awareness of the presence of an Almighty God. You know, it, it's it's like that old church hymn. Um, you know, I, when I start saying this, Skip, hold back. I don't want you to stand and start singing, okay? On that, but but it, it goes this way: Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, I'm, I'm cumbled with loads of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do, do you know that? that prayer really is the well the the Calvary, the the armor, the 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 weapons of warfare for the followers of Jesus Christ. Because when I am in that time of of suffering, there is such a sensitivity that we have. I get I I get kind of um uh Um, inquisitive, that that when people are going through some really tough times, I I like to ask them, what's the Lord saying to you? What is he saying to you in the midst of that? And, And if you can't answer that, you need to wait a little longer in prayer because he has something to say because that pain is igniting every fiber of your body in ways that you don't want it to. But it is there. And there is that sensitivity of that awareness of that suffering that brings an awareness of an almighty God who wants to say, I am with you. I love that song, Anthony, is that he's in a fire with us. I see that when we sing. I see that in your lives as you are going through the testings of your faith, that I could close my eyes and I could see God standing right there beside you. So we pray when we're suffering. But he also says, is anyone cheerful? He is to sing Praises. That's that's why we, we Pentecostal churches we love to praise the Lord. We love to be able to worship Him because there is that sense of His presence in our lives. And and listen, you online or you here in, in in the church, is that there's nothing like when you come in. At, in this in the channel first assembly and, and you're waiting upon the Lord you hear the worship you hear the preaching and there is that last song in which we sing it's really not a song yet it has the harmony it has the four parts it has the instruments the high sounding symbols, the low sounding symbols, whatever we can add to it and then an Anthony we got to get a French horn in that thing there somewhere I, I love the French horn and there is, there is that, that excitement, but it's not only a song, it is a prayer. Do you know that every time you sing, you're praying? It is a, because you're singing unto the Lord or you're dealing with an awareness of his presence or you're dealing with awareness of something going on in your life. It is a prayer. We need to pray when we are suffering. First Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." That doesn't mean I, I walk around with a hoodie on and chanting prayers everywhere. But, uh, now, if you go to that extreme, I'm not sure that's all that bad. Is is that when, when I first met Mark Bontaine, it was at an airport. And and, and Mark is a missionary, was a missionary in India, and, and I seen Mark there waiting for me, and he's sitting in the midst of this whole crowd of people everywhere, and he's sitting on his bench, and he's rocking back and forth, rocking as he's praying, and he's praying, my dear Calcutta, my dear Calcutta. Everybody heard you know. I, I I I didn't know if I should stop him or, or what to do, but but if you're getting accused that you're praying too much, I uh, say hallelujah, you know, on that. Keep praising him. The second thing is prayer for the sick. Now, he doesn't give us this blanket um, prayer that we pray then it's done. As a pastor, I have prayed <laughs> For thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I have seen people healed. I have seen miraculous miracles of God, and then there are those times I have seen nothing. And as a man of faith, that's challenging. And okay, well, what did I do wrong? What's going on here? But there's times that there is that well that challenge or question: Why, Lord? In verses 15 and 16, we see that sometimes. <laughs> sin can be an issue in the healing in our lives. Now I'm not saying everybody who is sick they're sick because of sin. Don't don't take that home and say the pastor said, all right. But but there's times there is that disobedience in our lives. And what God does is that He leaves us unto ourselves. I think that's the worst thing that could ever happen to us. It's not that the judgment of God, just leave me to my own making, and and, and I'll destroy myself. Anything left unto itself dies. It's physics. I need God. He tells us, well, the Greek text of that verse is if he has been constantly sinning. 1 Corinthians 11.30 says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many asleep. Well, that means they die. First, First Corinthians five is is really a good example of this because it was they were speaking to the church in Corinth about the members in the congregation and their sinning. And, and James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins, therefore, to one another." and pray for one another that you may be healed. I, I and, and that confessing that, that sin, it's, it's some verses or, or versions say uh, confess uh, your faults. <laughs> I, I like that because we don't, well, I don't want to say sin. It, it, it's, just, it's just a mistake. It, it's just a fault. But here, the word hamartia, is that James uses, and it's the same, it means sin. It's the same word that he uses in James 1.15. And and here's what he wants us to do in this. He wants us to pray the prayer of faith. You ever wonder what in the world, what is the prayer of faith? Well, in, in 1 John 5.14 and, and 15 says, This is, Is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to. Have before him that if we ask anything according to his will. Sometimes we leave that out. We say if we ask for anything according to his will. No, we don't want to register. According to his will, that is consistent with his plan and purpose, he hears us. And if we know for a fact as indeed we do that, he hears and listens to us, and whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have Granted to us the request that which have asked we which we have asked from him, but it's his will it's It's not that that well he wants to heal everybody <laughs> well, if he wants to, why doesn't he? Did you know that every single person that Jesus prayed for eventually died, you yeah. know Anybody see Lazarus walking around? I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna get another mass for you right there. <laughs> yeah. see, and and here's the thing that he says, and he's not asking that that we come. Not that he calls for that faith healer, he said he's calling for the elders. As I have prayed. For the sick here for over the past twenty years. Could I be honest with you? Is there's sometimes I just don't know what to pray for. Because I, I I I got a phone call this week from one of our ladies, and I won't mention in her name because I haven't had her permission, but she but, but she she told me that her husband has six months to live. And and she says he's okay with that. I love that. I led this man to the Lord last year, sitting in his living room, praying that that prayer, and just just holding his hand. And then after I prayed, that man did not let go of my hand for probably easy ten, fifteen minutes. And and this is a, a man's man type guy. He just held on to that hand. I go, do, I, do I want the heal? yes? Do I pray for the healing? Yes. Does God want to take him home? Maybe. I, uh, I, I know that, that when my father was dying, when I was and Orlene and I was beside him in that bed and in and, and there was just he kept mumbling something, but I loved them. <laughs> and one, I said, who's he talking to? And then I looked at Orlene and says, Maybe maybe it's it's the angels is come. He went, hey, let's ask him if he could shake the curtains in the hospital room. She goes, don't do that, talk. So Arlene leaned over to to my father, and she said, Dad, the family's going to be okay. And then I said, Dad, if you see Jesus, let it go. It's okay. He had that gurgling going on. Breathing, his lungs are filling up. He had three crystal clear breaths. <sighs> and he was gone. I <laughs> go, wow. Now, I could ask, you know, thinking, pray, bring him back. But I don't think he would want to come back. And And he just came to know the Lord not long prior to that. You know, most of his 64 years of life, which is not much, but he, he he was an alcoholic. He lived in sin, but but he came to know the Lord because of the amazing faithfulness of my mother. And and we start crying, and we start praising the Lord. We start crying. That precious nurse, she didn't know what to do with us. So so I don't know sometimes how to pray. And here's this: in the same way that the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness, we do not know what prayer to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and at that right time intercedes on our behalf with signs groaning too deep for words. Wow. Hmm. I spent some time in prayer for you folks today In the Spirit waiting, praying in the Spirit over you. See, does God heal? Yes. Does God want to bring someone home? Probably do sometimes. I didn't always know, but I do know this, that I can line myself up to the Word and say, Your will be done this is what he desires to have within our lives but he cares about what is going on in our life now listen to that he says there are some things that he wants us to understand some practical lessons for one thing is disobedience to god can lead to that sickness because he left us unto ourselves. There there is something else that is saying is that sin affects not only you, but the church. I I had one of the most heartbreaking experiences several decades ago that there was a moral failure of one of our pastors in a church that I was in. And that pastor He was on staff. He was one of the staff pastors. He and his wife came into my office, tears going down their face, down their cheeks. I could see the brokenness in him. I could see the brokenness in his wife. And he asked me for forgiveness. I cannot imagine how hard that had to be. But you see, that it's not that I confess you you confess your sins to me as the pastor. Is that you confess to one another as those people that God has brought into your life, and one thing is people that you know that you could trust. The other thing is that if that sin has hurt them, you go to them and confess. It's not always healthy that someone would stand up and want to confess all their sins publicly. It just looks like sometimes they're bragging about their sin. And other times is that we don't always need to hang our dirty laundry out into the public and saying, look how horrible we are. You get me? But he says, though, there is that need to confess our sins one to the other. The third thing is that there is that physical and spiritual healing that comes. In Proverbs 28, verse 13 says, He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. Boy, I could preach on that for a while. But whoever confesses and turns away from his sin will find compassion and mercy. Listen to me, church. He is not talking to the world out there. He is talking to the body of Christ. And we as a body of Christ, sometimes we need to hear what James is saying to us, or maybe a lot. We need to hear what he's saying to us. He said, I want you as a body of Christ to line up. Get your house in order. Know that there are things that are being expected of you. The idea when someone says, well, that's just the way I am. No, it isn't, because you are a child of God, and there is a responsibility that you have, not only to your relationship of which you have with God, but also with your relationship that you have with one another. And then out of that comes what people see. Oh, man. I'm not going to even get into it, but... Sunday, I can't wait because I'm last week I dealt with the supernatural hope. This week, I'm dealing this Sunday with the supernatural forgiveness. Well, it's incredible. And I mean, there's times I I had to stop and pray as I was writing this message, and other times is that, that I wanted to worship the Lord, and times I wanted to weep before Him. So, It's powerful. You're going to praise God, but maybe you should wear some still toe shoes too, okay? Because I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak it in love. But the body of Christ, we as a church today, we cannot act like the world that is acting out there. They need to see something that is different. And James is saying to us that there is something in which we are got to do. The number three, he talks about prayer for the nation. Oh, man. We rather debate the issue of the nation. He should be president. He should be president. They should be senator or congressperson or whoever. We, 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 we get in these incredible debates, and I want to tell the churches. Be still. Now the first thought came in my mind I'm going to say shut up. But be still. Because, because the world is seeing and watching us. And he's saying that we should be praying. James five sixteen says the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. He, he, he there is in first Kings. Chapters 17 and 18 talks about this wicked King Ahab and in, in, in that crazy life, that, 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 that king and queen, how they led the Israelites. They, the Israelites were wondering if they should worship Baal or worship Jehovah. How do they get in such a place spiritually if they're even contemplating which one do I actually worship? And out of that came that punishment of three and a half years of drought. And then comes this time that Elijah comes and he challenges the prophets of Baal. And he goes through that whole rigmarole about the sacrifices and everything. And here's the amazing thing is that after they prayed, they cut themselves, they beat themselves, they did everything, nothing happened. And then Elijah, (laughs) he he goes, well, let's get started. Let's get some barrels of water. Let's build a trench and then put water. Well, it's not enough water yet because we want to fill the trench too, more water. And he fills that, that trench with water, and he prays one time. Man, I can't wait to see the DVD on that in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And but there is that there who's God's God. So we got that in order. The second thing, though, there's still an issue in the nation. They're in drought. So he starts to pray, and as he's praying, he said, Elijah was a man just like us. I love it, James 5, 17, because we think, well, that was Elijah. You know, he can't ask me to pray like Elijah. And, and now he's praying. He just called fire out of the sky. And then he prays for rain. Nothing happens. He sends a servant. Go look to see if it's coming. You know, nothing. So he comes back and prays again. Go see if there's something coming. Nothing. Go again. Nothing. Nothing. Seven times. Seven times. But seven times he's praying for the consistency of that need in their nation. You see, church, he's called us to pray. He's called us to pray for that work of God in such a tremendous way. James 5.16 says, tremendous prayer is made available through a godly man's earnest prayer. See, our responsibility in 1 Timothy 2 verses 1 through 3 is not to see if they line up our officials, line up with our opinions on the Democratic or Republican or whatever party or Independent or who knows what's there. If they line up, here's what we are to do. First of all, then I urge that petitions, specific requests, prayers, intercession, prayers for others, and thanksgiving to be offered on behalf of all people. Not those who agree with you or disagree with you, all people for kings and all those in positions of high authority so that we may live a peaceful and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So I used to have people that would send me stuff about certain political candidates. And I told, I would tell them, they would email says Before you email that to me anything again, I want you to tell me that you spent time in prayer for that person. Then you could email me anything you want. They never send me another email. I'm not sick and tired of, of, of all the political chaos. I'm sick and tired of hearing how the church is reacting to it. (laughs) Wow. Uh, We need to show the world how to love. We need to show the world how we are to trust in God. Because believe me, you are sitting out there or wherever you may be. And I pray that somehow that this message gets into some of our candidates and some some of our uh, political leaders is that there are people of faith that are praying that God will move in ways that will bring peace and dignity in all of our lives. And this kind of prayer is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. Okay, get off that. Let's go to prayers for the responsibility of the lost. Wow, this is, this is really good. Okay. This is really, really good because do we need to reach the lost with the message of Christ? you agree that? Amen. We believe that. But this is not what he's talking about. He says this, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you strays from the truth and falls into error and another one turns his back to God, let the latter one know that the one who has turned a sinner from the ears of his way will save that one soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That is, obtain the pardon of the many sins committed by the ones who has been restored. See that they sometimes say the one who erred. That one who erred is really saying the one who wandered away. That that backslidden. That Galatians six one says the one who's been overtaken in a fault. See the idea. And here's the thing that that we forget. We rather say, "Well, they made their bed; they should now they'll live in it." You know? They should know better. I, when when I when, when I had a funeral for a young man who was well killed because he broke into a home. Maybe six or eight weeks prior to that, he walked us out. Oh, for salvation. Then someone says to me, well, I guess that salvation didn't work hard. And then I went in and I said to them, wow, I, when, since you accepted Christ, have you lived a perfect life? Well, I didn't break into a house. I didn't know there were categories. And he tells us, see, because if we aren't careful is that if we don't restore them, something can begin to happen. In Ecclesiastes 9.18 says, one sinner destroys much good. What he's saying is that they could lead other believers astray if they are, well, sliding, if they are wandering away. And we have a responsibility to, To those because of those who wandered from the truth, as James 5.19 says. For this reason, in Hebrews 2.1 says, for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. You see, church's idea is that we have this this feeling is that I got saved. I'm fine. Everything's good. I don't have to read the Word anymore. I'm safe. You're in trouble. We have a responsibility. Jesus said to Peter, but I have prayed, especially for you. Peter, who's the one who preached at Pentecost. Man, wow, what a sermon that must have been. Especially for you, Peter, that your faith and confidence in me may not fail, and you once you have turned back again to me. Oh, I mean, then you failed, but then finally when you turn back again to me, strengthen and support your brothers in the faith. He is saying that you have gained your brother. What he's meaning is that you have won your brother. You've won, you, you won the loss. You, you saved the saved. (laughs) And what we do is, is in Proverbs, 10, 12 says, hate stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Oh, wow. This needs to be that lighthouse. I, I told someone right before, this is, you know, what this, you know, we call this auditorium, we call it a sanctuary. You know, Feel safe. Why? Because I'm with you in the family of God, and we're in agreement in a room in which we are worshiping the Lord and praising Him in all of His beauty, in which He has. He's calling us as a church to be the church. <laughs> James doesn't end this 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 uh, this book of James. In a way that that he wants us to pray these cute prayers and and everything is going to be okay, kumbaya stuff boy i mean he is he is laying it on the line with the church because he sees what was happening to the church of that day, and the church today is absolutely no different than it is to uh, back then because we have so many more in fact distractions. And he wants us to be a people of prayer. <laughs> is, is that I get caught up in that. There, there's times, Anthony, is, is that I, I, I hardly could get up into the pulpit area to preach because I'm so lost in prayer and praising God in those songs. Because they're not songs, they're prayer done in a really nice way with that beautiful harmony with the instruments. And, and you, my friend, come on up, Anthony. You, you you there at home, I believe that God can and desires to use you as every one of us here in the sanctuary. He's calling the church to be the church. And he closes this by being people of prayer. And not in prayer as look at me, in prayer of brokenness, in prayer of calling upon his name, in prayer for those who have fallen away, in prayer that he so desires us to be everything that he's called of us to be as a child of God. So church, Let's be the church. Let's allow him to use us in a way that he desires us to use. And then the world will see and they go, wow, I want to be a part of that. I say all these things, not, not in, in chastisement by any means. Well, maybe I do. But in Love. Because I see our potential as a body of believers of what God could do in our lives. Reread the book of James. Because from that first chapter to the fifth chapter, he just lays it on the line again and again and again and again and again, and again to us thinking, wow. The study that we were using, the commentary says, be mature. He's asking us to grow up. So let's grow up. Child of God. Would you stand with me, please? I pray for this congregation here in this sanctuary. And I pray for that same congregation there online, wherever you may be across the city, or across the ocean. I pray that we realize that there is a higher calling that we have as the body of Christ. And you called us to be men and women of prayer. Let that prayer, that time in which we bathe ourselves in you, let it rise up for your glory. In Jesus' name,